This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 60 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. We would like to thank our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products. They offer supplements designed to give you the most value for your dollars. Visit them at kppusa.com. For this week, Rick begins a a two-part series on mental preparation and body awareness with Heather Blitz. Nerves can just be so destructive to our whole experience at a show. And the more nervous you are, the more time you have to give yourself and show up early as much as you can. Get your horse hand-walked around the showgrounds. Even just be at the showgrounds yourself. You know, just let some time go by uh, where you're not under any stress of, you know, time pressures at all. This is Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. And I'd like to welcome my guest this week, Heather Blitz. Heather, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me back again. Well, great to have you back. And we're going to do things a little bit differently this week. We've got a two-part special um, on areas where, of course, you're most experienced with, and that is the mental preparation and body awareness. And I thought we'd put this into two shows, Heather. And we'll start off this week with two areas. Um, number one, the staying focused in the warm up, and number two, training takes place at home. And these are, I mean, the mental and body awareness uh, is something that you're acutely aware of, aren't you? And because you've trained with Mary Wandless for years. Yeah, I have. I put a ton of uh, focus into my body awareness and how to use my body in a really explicit way, and it pays off in in numerous ways. But before we get to that, uh, tell us how things have been down. I know you're down in Louisiana now and uh, training Paragon, of course. He has his own fan page, so uh, I think there's a lot of listeners who follow him on Facebook. Yeah, things are going okay, and you know, despite the heat, um, came to this part of the country for a number of reasons, um, and the, the temperature ne- wasn't necessarily one of them. Um, but the facility is nice, and it's an area that I have lived in before, and um, training is going well with all the horses. So, you know, as long as we can just keep replenishing all the fluids we lose every day when we work in the heat, um, I think we'll we'll survive the summer pretty well. Yeah, it must be really difficult. Does it mean you train very early in the morning, or are you in a covered space where you can stay fairly cool? Well, actually, we're in a covered space with some really big ceiling fans in the in the covered arena, and it actually works out better to not start before about, well, I do start at 7.30, but it doesn't, it gets a little bit better around 9.30 because of the dew point, I guess, or something lifts, and it's a little nicer, actually. If you're in the shade, um, sometimes the earlier hours are even more humid. So, but if you were in the sun, you'd have to start when it wasn't wasn't too high up in the sky, uh, and you know, just take a midday break and then start again in the afternoon if you had to direct sun. But we've got the cover, so it's quite nice. So, how long do you typically ride any one horse for? Are they all different? Well, they're definitely different, and each horse is is different um, from day to day. So I guess the typical workout would be between 30 and 40 minutes, um, do you know an unlimited amount of walk if, uh, if they need 
more or less of that. But the, the, when the work starts, you know, the intense work starts and the mental part of the work for the horses, I don't like to go much over half an hour. And I kind of feel like if I don't get some subjects accomplished within that time, then um, I can always come back again the next day or I need to consider doing it better. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all about practice, isn't it? Well, it is. Yep. We've got to keep going out there and doing more and more of it and making the practice better and better. Well, that brings us to the first segment, the, um, the two topics that we're going to cover this week, um, uh, Heather. And I thought we'd start with staying focused in the warm-up uh, ring and, and you and your horse getting used to the show environment because there must be many listeners out there or at the beginning of their dressage careers. And, and, and that can be challenging, can't it, because you can do all the practice at home and you can have people watching. But once you get to the competition, it's a whole different environment, isn't it? Well, it is. And, you know, what I can offer as far as advice um, comes from a lot of years of experience and getting past the point where I show up at a show and have a lot of nerves to deal with. But I remember that quite well um, years back when I was um, not so experienced at showing that nerves can just be so destructive to our whole experience at a show. And, you know, you just the more nervous you are, you more time you have to give yourself and show up early as much as you can. Get your horse hand-walked around the showgrounds, um, even just be at the showgrounds yourself and, um, you know, just let some time go by uh, where you're not under any stress of, you know, time pressures at all. And, you know, get yourself settled in in a way that um, hopefully can help out with some of those nerves. And then, um, and before you even get to a competition, I think it's a great idea for newer competitors to go to show environments to sign up for a show but not actually enter any classes and just go through the whole routine. You can even braid your horse. You can wear your show clothes, but just go there then and take a lesson from your trainer at the showgrounds or just do your own kind of warm-up in the warm-up rings and get used to riding around other competitors. And um, other competitors can often have a lot of kind of nerves also that will tend to affect your own kind of energy and your own kind of mental state. And that can be another factor to to have to deal with a little bit is people around you or who are also nervous and sort of tense. It's just a a thing you can definitely expect in that environment. And, um, you know, to be able to avoid that is it's not an easy thing and it does take a lot of repetition. And maybe it helps also to just realize that you're not the only one. If you're feeling nervous or stressed about it, you're definitely not the only one. And everyone around you is probably experiencing similar things. And that, that might be a helpful thing too. Well, of course, the the other element is the distraction, um, you know, of the show environment too, and and your own nerves and how they can get in your way. Um, do you have any tips for staying focused? Because watching you in a warm up arena, you'd think you were just in your backyard, you know, riding around on your pony. <laughs> you don't <laughs> appear to have any nerves. How do you how do you prepare yourself to be focused in the woman ring when when horses are going left and right and you've got to watch out for everybody and everybody's under pressure 
Well, as far as the the horses going left and right and right and all around you, you can imagine it's a lot like going to a big city and driving your car on the on an expressway. You have to know where your place is and you have to hold your ground as much like you belong there as much as anybody else. And you know, traffic in a busy warm up can be stressful to a lot of riders and um that that you you have to if you get intimidated by that and think that you have to get out of everybody's way then it would really be distracting to your own focus but yeah it's kind of like being in a in a busy freeway you just have to know where your lane is and where you belong and where other people belong and if they follow the rules and it all goes fairly smoothly but again it takes a lot of experience and going out there again and again to get over that but um another thing i i try to do is really pay attention to you know what I look at, and not that I think anyone should be staring at the ground when they ride because of course that would be a disaster, but I try not to watch other horses and riders. I try not to watch people uh, standing around who are watching the training who are watching the horses. I try not to at that point pay attention to um, you know, individuals, other, uh, I don't think of names. I don't think of, uh, situations other than what is at hand with me and my horse. And just, of course, keep my peripheral vision, um, soft and uh, on enough to know, you know, where I am and who's around me. But I really try not to look anybody in the eye because that's, that's a distraction for me. And I try not to watch anybody else's training while I'm training because that just tends to, um, yeah, it tends to change my focus in ways that sometimes are better, sometimes aren't, but I just don't want to think about it. So I really just try to like actually look at my own horse's head while I'm training in a warm up, and it's really busy just to not get visually distracted. Because we, one thing that often people are taught is to to keep the focus on the horse's pole. Just look between his ears. Is that where you maintain your focus, Heather? Yeah, it is actually. And you know, one of my training uh, tools that I talk about in in uh, my lecture and my lessons and stuff is to imagine that your horse has like a a bubble over his head, like a cartoon character in a or in a comic strip. They've got that bubble over their head and it's got words in it. <laughs> um, one of the things that I ask my students to think about is that um, the horse has, they're saying things too, and those words would be in that bubble over their head. So, yeah, it's kind of like staring between the ears and I stare into that bubble over their head because I really like to imagine what my horse is saying every second. So that is where I, I look. And it, so it's not a hard stare downward. And I can I definitely have a soft peripheral vision to see the rest of the arena. But that's where my central focus is. And I think it's important to point out, you know, not only allowing yourself plenty of time and the and a great idea, of course, to go to competitions and get into that show mode before you actually are, are competing and get that kind of preparation for your horse just as much as for yourself. Um, and so the time factor is always important, isn't it, to allow yourself plenty of time so that you're not rushed and you don't feel hustled and bustled by the show environment as well. I always add, I add half an hour onto everything that I plan, and it usually works out that uh, my schedule then runs smoothly. <laughs> it took me a while to learn how to do that, but if I if I want to. Uh, 20 minutes to groom my horse, let's say, then I'll just add another half an hour onto that. And it, it's, it's just a, it's a number for me that works really well. Whatever task that I want done, I pretty much add on a buffer 
of at least half an hour. I mean, it depends. If it's a five-minute task, I won't add on half an hour. But, um, you know, no, things that take time, trailering to the venue, um, unloading, setting up the stall, braiding my horse, things like that. I just add on time, and, and it's much better to just have – if I have more time and I have to figure out how I'm going to fill that time, of course, it's a much better problem than being rushing to the show ring. And, and I've been in that situation, and it's um, – you know, that's a horrible experience to know that your your warm-up time is getting crunched down um, to be, you know, smaller than what you thought. Um then, you know, it's a lot better to be able to kind of wander around a little bit and kind of say, <clears throat> you've got some time to sit and meditate somewhere quiet and get focused. Or you can always fill it with something useful. Yeah, and of course, as your horse gets more experienced to, and more used to the environment too, he may not need as long in his warm-up or may need longer, and that may change, of course, uh, as he goes through his career too. So there's those considerations to take into account too, aren't there, Heather? You know, to be to be flexible because he may change in his attitude towards showing as he develops. Well, they do. And then, there, you know, there are temperature factors too. If it's a really hot show and you don't want to go out there and warm up for very long, um, I try to really pay attention very closely the week before I go to a show. Um, every day that I train, I try to really time how long his warm-ups are taking, how long uh, of a really intense period I've got, what's, what his endurance is. And I really try to look at that the week before I go to a show. And also, if he needs a day of rest coming up um, to the days really close to going to a show, it's really important to check in again. And even if the show that you went to before, you had a good system, uh, you know, if your training has been effective between previous show and the one coming up then your horse is bound to be different because effective training changes your horse so um most likely he'll be a little different for the next show hopefully he is or your you know your training has been maybe not as effective as it should have been so you know each time you go to one use that week before to just really start checking in with um with things like that Terrific. Absolutely. Well, good advice on staying focused, and I appreciate that, Heather. We're going to take a break to uh, hear from our friends at Kentucky Performance Products, and then when I come back, Heather is going to continue with uh, some advice. This uh, time, this is the next segment, I should say, is about training, which, which takes place at home, and reminding you all of some tips to make sure that happens. So uh, don't go away. We'll be back in just a second. Regular listeners to the show know that we love Kentucky Performance Products. And that's an easy thing to do because Kentucky Performance Products stand behind their products and they believe in them. Your complete satisfaction is guaranteed. If you are unsatisfied with any of their products, they will gladly refund your money. Does your horse or pony get fat on air alone? Is he living in a dry lot or turned out with a muzzle? Can't feed him more than a handful of grain and some hay? Then you need microphase. Microphase is a great way to ensure your horse or pony gets all of the nutrients he needs to stay healthy without adding calories to his diet. Microphase contains the vitamins and trace minerals not found in grass or hay, and your horse will eat it right out of your hand. You can learn more about Microphase and all of the products from Kentucky Performance Products by visiting kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. Check out Microphase. Well, Heather, training taking place at home just seems to be kind of an understatement, but it's very easy to get to a competition, and a lot of inexperienced riders will get to a competition and start to fiddle about um, and, and, and not remember that that training should be left at home. 
Yeah, and you know when you're talking about trading, um, you're really talking about I think in this case that you are changing your horse um, or or educating your horse, and you know rather than than training as far as warming up or a physical state of getting their body ready, of course that has to happen at the competition too. But you know educating your horse to to know um, a new concept, for instance, of course that should be done you know, well in advance before you get to the showgrounds. And I see some horses getting sort of educated at showgrounds sometimes. And I don't know if that always happens, uh, you know, when a rider is really conscious of what's going on and what they should be accomplishing in the warm-up, or if it tends to be more when you see a nervous competitor or uh, just a less experienced one. But I think it's pretty smart, and it's definitely what I try to to accomplish uh, not signing up for any kind of competition until I feel like my horse really has an understanding of, you know, the basic blocks of what it takes to do that test. And if it's, if I can do it on a consistent and repeatable basis, and it doesn't mean that, you know, we don't have glitches or mistakes and, you know, errors and things like that, but just that it's a pretty repeatable uh, performance you know, at least the, each individual movement of the test that I'm going to show at the competition. I like to feel like it's uh, it's it's consistent enough that when I get to the showgrounds, my warm-up will, you know, just consist of getting my horse's body in the right physical state, getting his muscles warmed up, getting his tendons and ligaments nice and uh, in the right consistency, and, and um, making my warm-up time really as short as I can. I mean, I, I'm lucky right now. I don't have a very nervous horse, and, and Paragon is really confident. So I don't have to deal with you know, him getting the nerves when he gets to the showgrounds, because if the rider does and the horse does, then, of course, warm-ups can take a little bit longer time. Um, in that case, it might be, you know, back to the advice of going to those shows with a horse that might be more nervous or green and just take him to the warm-up and just do some schooling but not showing in that case. Well, that's great advice. And, of course, the other aspect to this, uh, once you get to the competition, is what you do when you get there, Heather, and you feel resistance that wasn't there at home. You feel you're prepared for the competition and and you don't feel you need you need to continue the training per se. You're getting your horse warmed up, but suddenly you encompass some you come across some resistance that wasn't at home, wasn't in the training. How, how would you advise about dealing with that in in a com, in a competition environment? Hmm. Well, that's a good question, and um, you know the term resistance could be uh, defined or thought of in I guess different ways. If it's a resistance that you know that your horse has done before, it's something familiar, an evasion that you know he he has a tendency to do, uh, then, of course, my advice would be to go back to step one that has gotten you through the resistance at home. Go back to step one, step two, step three, however many steps it took you uh, at home to get rid of that resistance. Make sure you go back to the beginning of that tool that you use and use it all the way from the start to the finish until it's gone. Um, of course, if it's a new resistance, it's, let's say it's something that all of a sudden you feel and your horse has never done it before, um, you might, of course, check first if you think that you're riding differently because of different focus you might have or maybe you're not quite 
mentally, physically in the right place yourself. You might be distracted by external stimulus that you don't have at home. Um, you might be able to find something different that you can uh, remedy there. And but Or if it's a new resistance, you know, you might consider that your horse is, is taking a wrong step, that all of a sudden really something is, is not quite right with a horse. If it's not something that you've felt with him before, uh, you might consider that the footing isn't working for, for him or her. Um, it could be something like that, too, uh, the different environments for the horses. Something could happen in the horse trailer and the new stabling if you stable. I would I would definitely look into something like that um, if it's a really unusual thing, but um, resistance in the in the warm up, you know, on a level of tense riders, tense horses, pretty common and um, you know a matter of nerves again, getting yourself focused, breathing right, relaxed mentally, and focused again. Well, I think that's great advice, and we're going to talk next week about mind over matter, actually, how to prepare mentally and emotionally for showing. So we'll come to that in a little bit more detail next week, Heather. But I think that would give at least our listeners a little insight into and into how to uh, you know, deal with these things. And I think, there's, as you say, there are so many factors that can cause that resistance, and it could be something physical. Maybe on the way to a competition, he might have hit his head, he might have just tweaked a back or something and and that would cause some kind of physical resistance in him that has nothing to do with training but will manifest when he unloads at the showground yeah i mean that's that's a there are a lot of things that are potential injury causing things you know on the on um, trailering and in new environments new footing and things like that but um I think more than likely you you might be talking about something that would be caused by intention and nervousness. That's it. It would just be the most common sort of um, I think factor to cause that that sort of thing. And getting rid of resistance in show environments is um, more than half the battle. I think. Terrific. Well, great. Well, we'll continue this series uh, next week. We're going to t uh, talk about body awareness and mind over matter in uh, the continuation of this two-part series with Heather Blitz. Heather, thanks. Terrific. We we'll always appreciate you joining us and uh, giving us your advice because you're very, you're very mind and body aware with your riding, aren't you? You're over six foot tall, but you seem to have total control. And <laughs> it always looks like you have control, but but you've told us before that you you it's a conscious effort the whole time, isn't it? Well, it is. I mean, some things certainly become happening by you know by second nature once you practice them. I think it's a ten thousand repetitions that the human brain uh, and body need before something becomes second nature. So over the years uh, that I've become more and more aware, things become you know over on the this happens by second nature chart. But at one point or another, yes, I take on um, everything from head to toe in my body to get to understand it and recognize it and, you know, bite it off in small chunks that I can change small things if I want to. Um, and it's just been making the, the biggest difference, uh, I think, in me and my professional career that anything has by far. Terrific. Well, we'll get into detail again next week in part two of this series with Heather Blitz. Well, I want to uh, remind you all that you can find our show notes on dressageradio.com. You can follow us on Facebook, as always. We have a fan page there. We're on Twitter at Horse Radio and Chris E. Stafford. Don't forget, if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for the show, 
drop me an email at chris at horseradionetwork.com or if you prefer a telephone, use, uh, call me at uh, 270-803-0025 and leave us a voicemail. I want to thank our sponsors again for making this show possible and our backstage crew for getting these shows to you every week. And our, ho- our guest this week, Heather Blitz. Thank you, Heather, so much for joining us. We'll be uh, catching up with you next week for part two of this series. Well, thanks again for having me, Chris. It's always a blast. All right. Well, I'll be back here same time next week with Heather. So until then, remember to practice safe riding by always wearing your helmet.